Hi, Avril here from Access Credit Union. We are delighted to once again sponsor the Star Sports Podcast. As part of our range of new business loans, we now offer Cultivate Farm Finance, the farmer-friendly loan package. With a Cultivate loan, farmers in West Cork can benefit from the local decision-making and personal service offered by Access Credit Union. To find out more, go to accesscu.ie forward slash cultivate, call me on 085 268 2727 or 028 21883, where a member of our team will be happy to help you with your inquiry. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Starsport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. On today's show, we'll be reflecting on the Cork footballers' great escape, which was completed on Sunday afternoon in Tullamore when Keith Rickenside edged out Offaly 121 to 120 to secure Division 2 football. For next season and condemn the Midlanders to Division 3. We'll be joined by Dear Duggan and Michal Hawley O'Sullivan to dissect the win and to review the overall performance of the side during this season's league campaign. We're also going to speak to Cork Camogie legend Jennifer O'Leary as part of our build-up to this year's Celtic Ross Hotel West Cork Sports Star Awards which take place this Friday at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Roscarbury. As a two-time winner of the overall award, Jennifer is the perfect person to get us in the mood for Friday's event. And the four-time All-Ireland winner has also given us a Star Sport podcast exclusive. So make sure to stick around for that. But Kieran, let's start with the footballers. And despite the criticism Keith Rickenside has come in for in recent weeks, from us and others, has to be said, when the chips were down and performances were desperately needed, they duly delivered, winning their final two games to beat the drop and maintain their Division 2 status. Job done, box ticked, mission accomplished, Jack. The Cork footballers are staying in Division 2 and after what we saw in the opening rounds of the league, I think that's a, that's a good day's work for the Cork footballers. They had to win their last two games against Down and Offaly and they duly did. They came up with, with the performances when they needed to and the end result is that Cork will be a Division 2 team next year and it'll also be in the Semmelberg Cup the All-Ireland top tier championship in the summer as well so like I said a good day's work um, against Offaly last Sunday for Cork even though they, they did make hard work of it but saying that to Offaly were fighting for their lives as well like it was a real championship battle here two teams knew what was on the line the loser went down the winner stayed up and it was Cork that came out the end by one single point those two late points Keen Kiley and, and Stephen Sherlock got Cork over the line so it's, um, I think, relief. Relief would probably be the big word for Cork football right now because um, it would have been, as we hear 
quite soon. A body blow if Cork had gone down to, to Division 3. I know years ago Cork did go down to, to Division 3 and they bounced straight back up again, but that was a different Cork team to the team that Cork have now. And this is a new Cork team, very inexperienced still. I think 15 debutants throughout the league, which is a, a full team in itself. So to keep their, their Division 2 status, I think they'll, they'll, be with, they'll be happy with that, given how they started this campaign. Um, Kieran, before we hear from the lads, just a point I want to pick up on with you because something you mentioned on last week's podcast was how impressed you were with Cork's resilience. So, despite the fact that they were clawed back to level against Down, they managed to kick on and win that game. And against Offaly on Sunday, they showed that resilience again because with five minutes of normal time remaining, they were trailing by two points and were staring down the barrel of a relegation. But once again, the resilience shone true. And they showed that there's something about this team, despite maybe struggling in the early rounds of the league. They might be the greatest Cork football team we've ever seen. Well, they aren't the greatest Cork football team we've ever seen. Again, they could be limited in certain areas compared to teams that have that have gone before. But what you can question after the last couple of games is this team's character. Like they're 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 willing to put their bodies on the on the line. They're they're fighting for er, for every ball, and they they got the result they needed. Um, bigger tests lie ahead, but they they passed their last two character tests. And it's been a very up and down, topsy turvy campaign for this Cork football team. And I don't want to make excuses for them, but look at the injury, the injury list. Hardy O'Sullivan, we're touching it soon. He was talking to a member of the, the Cork backroom team last weekend. 19 players have been injured or, or out injured, which is an incredible number. And it almost um, it, it beggars another question like, what's going on that all these players are getting injured? And there's a couple of serious injuries in there too. But hopefully, at some point, when Cork will get their their, their, their players back and they have a fully fit team, we will see a better Cork football team because we're talking about the likes of Sean Meehan, Sean Post or um, Liam O'Donovan. That's just three fellas in, in the back line alone that would slot straight into that team. So hopefully at some point, like I said, that Cork will have a fully fit panel to, to pick from. But for now, Cork are a Division 2 team and they can look forward to the Munster Championship semi-final against Kerry on May 7th with a with a bit of an extra pep in their step, because if they got into that game, um, having been relegated, like it would be almost a desperate situation for this team because they're in a hiding to nothing um, in that game against Kerry. But at least now they've salvaged something from the league. And, and as you'd hear from Hawley and Dermot, they're both impressed how Cork finished this campaign. Delighted now to be joined on the Star Sport podcast by two former Cork footballers, Hawley O'Sullivan and Dermot Duggan, to Let's look back on Cork's National League campaign. So the good news is Cork survived in Division 2, if only just beat Offaly last Sunday, 121 to 120, to guarantee their place in Division 2 next year, and also guarantee Cork's entry into the Sam Maguire Cup and the Championship race later this summer. So going, going to come to you first, Dermot. How, how important is it that Cork maintained their their um, Division 2 status? <laughs> Uh, I suppose, you know, it's a funny one because there, there's an argument to be said as well or to be had that maybe Cork would have been better off in the Talton Cup, even though to a lot of people, I suppose, that's something that would have been alien to Cork, you know, a number of years ago if they suggested they were in a second-tier competition. But um, I suppose, you know, it is important for development of this team, you know, that they're playing, playing at the top table, I suppose. But when you think about it, though, you know, they, they've carried in the Munster semi-final, they unlikely they're unlikely to win that, and then they'll they'll have a qualifier. Will they win one qualifier? If they do, you'd say two is probably the max they can do. You know, so on the other hand, if they were in the Talton Cup, 
is that a competition they could win? It, and, and it possibly is, but um, I suppose the danger if they weren't a talent cup was if they didn't win it or if they opened the early stages, that could do detrimental damage to the to the group as well. So, you know, they are better off for their probably long-term development or each, you know, to stay at the top table and stay there as long as they can while the team's developing. But, you know, there can't be, there won't and there can't be huge expectations on, on how they'll do up there either because, you know, they're, they're obviously bottom of division two um, and the table doesn't lie and they're playing every, they're essentially playing every other team that's ahead of them in the league. So it's going to be a huge challenge to them. Hardy, if you looking back over the league, the last seven games, um, Cork pulled off the great escape in the end. They beat down and they beat Offaly, the two teams that were relegated. Cork beat them in, in their last two games. So when you're when you're looking back in the league and you're analysing Cork's form, what, what, what are the big takeaways you're taking from this? Are, have you been surprised by how much Cork struggled, struggled or were you expecting it given the Keith Rickens talk of this huge rebuild? Well, I suppose I'm, I'm delighted they, they survived from the point of view that... I, I bumped into one of the backroom team there over the weekend and like the injury count at the moment of panel members is 19 players. Like if any other county in Ireland had 19 players that were in their squad of whatever you might take, you know, probably 40, that were out injured, you know, they'd be shaking their heads and saying, we can understand why we were in trouble. And I suppose we have to take that into account as well. And I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great kudos to the players um, that were there. And that have improved a lot over the last three or four games. Now, <clears throat> I suppose it did fall into their hands a little bit that they had the two teams that were particularly at Cox level down and Offaly in the last two games. But then you could turn that in its head as well and say that if they had down and Offaly in the first two games, would they have gained more confidence and gone on more of a run and they might have you know, beaten Clare and they might have pulled off one other as well. You know, they might not have got promotion, but we might not have been talking the same kind of a conversation if it, if it had gone the other way around. Um, look, it's taken them a while to get um, organised, I suppose, and get their act together because, you know, when you lose that many players and you're losing so many players that um, figured in last year's Munster final and Grandad was a hammering by Kerry, but still a lot of those players had a lot of experience and no lot of them have left the panel or are injured. And it meant that you had a whole host of new players coming in that didn't have the same level of conditioning as a lot of the players that have left. But you could even see during the course of the league, during the course of the seven games, obviously Cork have been training hard and trying to improve a lot. And you can see, you know, their running ability and their physicality has improved a bit. You know, there's a long, long way to go yet, but it has improved a bit. And, you know, it, it'll be great for their confidence to stay up. And just going back to what Dermot was saying, I think it would have been a body blow for Cork football for um, for Cork to go into Division 3 because we went into Division 3, was it two years ago? And look, the games they had, they won them all easy. They were like challenge games as such. And con- especially considering with the number of players that Cork should have back next year, I think, you know, we should look forward to having a far more a far more competitive team and more of our better players back, which means we should be far more competitive in Division 2. And that kind of that kind of football in Division 3 would have been no good for those guys. So look, I think it's, it's, it's definitely um, positive for the group and you could see the way the players celebrated on the pitch after the game that it was a big confidence booster and it was treated like a championship match you know you could see the the fist pumps and the, the hugging and all the rest of it so look it did mean a lot to them they have six weeks now to the carry game hopefully they'll get a few players back hopefully particularly at the back and that you'll improve a little bit again Tim, I'm going to ask you almost the same question about the the size of this Cork rebuild I was reading a piece by Maliki Clerken in the Times and he was quoting Fintan O'Toole at the 42, that i.e. 
and Cork have used 94 players in league and championships since the start of 2017. And when Tommy Walsh came off the bench there um, against Down the game mm. before last, he was the 15th debutant in in this league season alone for Cork. Like there are some staggering numbers when you think about 94 players in league and championships since 2017. So have you been surprised about the size of this rebuild that Keith Ricken has had? Like he's he hasn't hit behind it. Like he said, in fairness to him, that it's going to take time. We need to be patient and give this Cork team, give these young lads a chance to find their leg. But it's a it is a huge overhaul, isn't it? It's massive, yeah. And I suppose, you know, again, we go back to the rebuild. The rebuild has been probably going on for a number of years now. Um, and in one way, you can say that, you know, Cork are bloody an awful lot of players, but they're forced to do it. They're forced through injury and and forced through uh, people leading the panel and things like that. So, you know, if, if that was a regular season, you'd say it's been brilliant, you know, for they'll give you a lot of guys games and all that. But when you have such change, um, you're lacking continuity and consistency. When you're trying to build pattern, dis- defensive patterns and uh, trying to work on transitions and all this kind of thing. I mean, if the players are constantly changing, it's very, very hard to get a settled team there. So that's the huge challenge. And and aside from that, Holly mentioned as well, the conditioning of these guys, it takes years, you know, at least three, four years before you can get up to the level of Division One conditioning. And... The challenge for Keith Ricken and his management panel is if they're changing every two years, you know, and they're using so many players and they don't have that level of conditioning and you're playing against teams that do. So that's another huge challenge. So that is a big, big challenge. And I suppose what they need to do is try and hold on to this current crop they have. Um, And to be fair to them, you know, they might be new and inexperienced, but they're not lacking in in hunger. They're not lacking in energy wise or anything like that. You know, that can they can't be faulted for that. Um, so, like, if they can hold on to these and supplement it over the next two, three years with, with some new players coming in, you know, that's probably a basis or, or a, a good foundation anyway for, for a rebuild. Hardy, just on that injuries, um, I, I was after Cork beat down two weeks ago, we went down onto the sideline to, to, ta- to talk to Cork Vice Chairman Pat Horgan, and I think there were 16 Cork fellas not kitted off just down on the sideline that day. And if, if we're looking at the Cork defence for a second, in the last couple of games, Daniel O'Mahony, Sean Potter, let's say Liam O'Donovan, um, um, well, there's a couple of more fellas there as well that that just they aren't fit, they're they're injured, or or for let's say Sean White is another fella not involved this year. You could have five or six easily. You, you could have an entire new Cork defence that isn't playing at the moment. Like, and if, I don't want to make excuses for this Cork football team because some of what we've seen during the league hasn't been that good. But there's so many players missing as well over the last couple of weeks and months. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Like. At, at the end of the league campaign, if you were looking towards championship, you know, you 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 have firepower, mm-hmm. which is a lot, which, which is what a lot of people, a lot of teams lack. And even if you're looking at a club championship team, if you have firepower, you have a chance, you know. And you and you had Carl uh, Manny and Jano and Brian Hurley and um, who am I missing? The fourth was Zoe Sherlock, mm-hmm. right? They they racked one sixteen between them the last day, um, so that's that's definitely four forwards that you can. That can contribute substantially on the scoreboard. You know, you have the likes of a, a Brian Hayes there who's suffering with injury as well at the moment that might offer something at 10 or 12, and you have a position to fight for then, let's say. Um, a positive as well, I suppose, is Colm Callan's um, move to midfield. Um, I think he's played very well there the last two games and was better again from the down game than I see against Offaly. Scored, scored two from play and won three or four balls overhead, which we haven't had a midfielder doing in quite a while. But then if you're going back from there, you know, I was delighted to see Johnny Cooper. Johnny Cooper and Matty Taylor were very good in the two wings, I thought. But still, you're in big trouble, like you say, at three and six. 
um, with Daniel O'Mahony gone and particularly Sean Meehan gone. Um, three, three is a huge problem going forward, particularly with the calibre of power we're facing against Kerry. Um, <clears throat> you know, Kevin O'Donovan is good on the ball and going forward, but you saw with the goal the last day, you know, the one high ball that went in. Grant, he was in a good position. He was in front and, and Flaheed was behind, but McNamee still won the ball over the two of them and was taken down for a penalty and a black card. So look, they are the 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 the, the four positions in the back line. I think uh, Johnny Cooper and Matty Taylor are, are playing well enough. You know, they they've really shown in the last couple of games. But the other the other th- three of the four positions anyway are still up for grabs for me. And finding a, a, a three and six and look, you'll be having Potter to get back. I don't think Sean Meehan will be back. But you know, the, the they are the headaches that uh, the management are going to have over the next six weeks to try and uh, fill 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 three and six with 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 dependable solid players, and look, I'd say they're those players are the players that are going to be coming back from injury because, like you say, they've experimented with so many players in the back line in the league that you know they will be depending on guys that in the hope. And I know they've only six weeks, but we don't know how far down the line they are with regard to recovery. But we'd all be hoping that two or three of those guys will make it back to fill central positions. Yeah, we're running the boaters from the pack. Um, a surprise, I suppose, from the league was Rory Maguire, Castlehaven. Um, he seemed to grow as, as the league went on, like kind of probably a, a surprise, surprise panelist at, at the start of the season. But he 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 featured, I think, in, in nearly nearly all, all seven games he was there. Have you been, I suppose, pleasantly surprised by Rory Maguire's emergence yeah. during the league? He's one of the players to come out of it, probably with his reputation enhanced. Definitely. And I think, like a lot of people, we didn't know a whole lot about him until this year, really. Um, you know, he's played a wing back. He's played. Um, he played a full back there for a stage last year. McNamee. He also played as a sweeper. So um, he definitely has something to offer. Corker, I suppose, it's, it's where what position he can offer most. That um, from looking at it, I think possibly wing back. Um, he's he's quite strong. He's very athletic, and he's got a turn of pace as well when he drives forward. You know, so um, the sweeping role. I'm not so sure. The last it did a very did it work very well for him. You know, but but that's. It's a tough road for any any player anyway, you know. Um, generally, it's experienced guys, um, and it's a very tough road to play. But there's definitely a position there for him. I think, you know, as you say, for a young lad in his first season, you know, he was brave, he was courageous, taking on the ball, um, and you know, it didn't seem to phase him at all. So definitely a huge positive for Cork, and he's he's a big guy as well, which is something this Cork team generally are lacking some some big men. So um, he's been a good find for Cork, to be fair to him, and. Um, you know, fair play to him and well done to him. Well, you look at the results from that first game against Roscommon, and that was the end of January, a six-point loss away to Roscommon. There were so many ups and downs over these seven games, and it was the, the final two matches where Cork pulled it out of the fire. But where do you think Cork finished this league campaign now um, in terms of, do you think they've, they've learned an awful lot during the during this league? Do you think they're a better team where, compared to where they were at the start? Or where do you think Cork, if you were to grade this Cork team, let's say, what grade would you give them after this league campaign? As in, what 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 division with regard to league should they be? No, in? no. Even if it's <clears throat> a plus, b minus, c plus, d minus, you know, kind of just 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 to lean on on, on your on your school teacher experience if you, to to grade keep Wiccans a bit. We're, we're we're definitely a division two team at best, which is slightly above fifty percent, I suppose, because there's two leagues below and two leagues above. So I'd I'd put us somewhere at the moment between fifty and sixty. Mm-hmm. Um, if we had more of um, of the players who are out, you know, the more experienced players back, obviously that could increase by 10% then no doubt. But look, improvement has happened. You know, we saw in those early league games, particularly against Derry away, um, against Galway at home, 
um, against <clears throat> against Roscommon. You know, we were far more open at the back. And I know that we referred to the sweeper system there and, and extra players back, but we just didn't have those against the likes of Mead and ended up being well beaten. But they were there against um, against Down and Parky Creeve and they helped shore it up. And look, it is something that they're going to have to work on, definitely, because if you're going from the, the tighter setup in, in Parky Ring with a smaller pitch to the wide open expenses of... Um, of Killarney, I think we have to go there with the uh, with the intention of trying to shut down the space and you know be at least twelve players behind the ball and trying to keep our three sharp shooters up. Um, but look, that's that's the kind of stuff they're going to have to be working on over the next uh, next six weeks to come up with a plan to try and stay in the game against Kerry for as long as we can. Do you remember the great in Cork at fifty to sixty percent? We'd almost have to go higher with the Cork forwards because. Stephen Sherlock and Cahill Manning in the last couple of games have they've always known like they're top club players, but especially Sherlock, he's taken his his bars form to the intercounty stage and he's become a, a crucial player for Cork in, in these last couple of games. First off, it was great to see Sherlock get that run of games at intercounty level. And he's I think he's proven to a lot of people that he can cut it at that level. I think so, yeah. Um I know he just sent a few years ago and um for whatever reason he didn't seem to hold down a place, but there's no doubt this year, you know, he seems to be far more comfortable and maybe it's the confidence of a great season at the Bars last year as well, which has helped him. But I think one other thing as well, he's not necessarily staying in the corner like an orthodox corner forward either. He seems to be given a little bit of freedom, which seems to suit him because um, he's maybe able to get free from his marker a little bit easier just out the field. And then, you know, he is an unbelievable finisher, whether it's from play balls or from play. Like, so, you know, they, they and, and this is kudos to the management, like they seem to have found a good position for him. So, I mean, whatever team he comes up against, he's going to take a bit of watching because, you know, one chance and it's one score for uh, Sherlock. He, uh, he rarely misses. So, um, you know, he, he is a big plus for Cork, for sure. You know, we've spoken in this podcast before about almost, uh, I suppose, Cork's over-reliance on Brian Hurley at, at, at times, especially at the start of the league campaign. But the emergence of Sherlock and, and Cahalamani in the last couple of games, I'm thinking back against against Down. He, he scored three points, but he got two from... Two in the first um, first ten minutes, two fine scores. He got one one against Offaly the last day. Colin Matney, if he if he's in form, he's a he's a real um, addition to the Cork attack. There's no doubt about it. But I suppose the big worry for us all, having watched him uh, having to leave the field again the last day, but with what looked like a hamstring injury again, is that is it is it a recurrence of the hamstring injury that kept him out of the early league games? There is no doubt he has very, very, he's very, very high quality forward. You could see that by his by, by his goal, the way he stood his man up first and then took off inside him and cut back inside the next man and finished with his left. You know, that's <clears throat> that's real high class stuff. Um he's he's a shoot on site, you know, he's not afraid to shoot. They're the kind of forwards that Cork need, and he is he is a very accurate player. Going back to Sherlock, um, I think Sherlock's physicality and fitness is what's changed him over the last two or three years. He's a different animal now. Um, his movement is better. He's far more capable of winning his own ball. 50-50, he was criticised for that before. He was only the kind of hour that just come on the peel and finish. But now you saw the last day, he's winning ball and taking guys on. And he's actually getting away from him with his pace. I didn't think he had that kind of pace, to be honest, before. And I don't think he had. But he's definitely in, in far better shape than he was. And I'd say a big boost to him as well is that they gave him the freeze. Mm. You know, Sher- Sherlock is a real confidence player. And if he's when he's out of the game for 10 minutes, he might have two frees kicked. And that keeps his head in the game. And the minute the ball comes to him again, if he gets a a, a a chance at a shot, you know the confidence is high, and he's 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 really leading the attack at the moment and racking up the scores. And we'll hope against the better teams and the tighter marking teams and the defensively better teams that he'll still find space 
and hopefully his confidence will bring his ability to find that space. Just on that, on that Holly, for a second, how dangerous or how potentially threatening is an attack of Hurley, O'Mahony and Sherlock if Cork can keep them all fit and firing for that game against Kerry in a couple of weeks? Oh, there's, there's not. But like Hurley has uh, had a below power game against Stone. He was better than last. You know, kicked a fantastic point um, in, in injury time with his left foot from distance. <clears throat> but I suppose then on the other hand, maybe the free taking being taken away from Brian Hurley has, has affected him a bit because he's used to keeping the, the scoreboard ticky over as well and keep, keeping his confidence high. So it's a, it's, a, it's a delicate balance. But like Dougie said earlier, obviously the management have decided that Sherlock is... Um, is 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 the man for the freeze, and he's like I suppose he is about twenty five. You know, he is he is the future of the forward lane in Cork, and if 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 you can have him racking up the seventy eight ten points every game, you know, it gives everyone around him confidence. So look, that they, they, there's no doubt about it. The firepower is there, but you know that 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 little bit of a mix in who you bring in with those three or four at ten or twelve. You know, you probably need a couple of bigger, more rangy players uh, to give you more help from kick out and winning breaking ball around the middle. So look. At least they're there, and we have forwards that can score. Um, the bonus then would be if we can get the few back at the back, and hopefully Colmore Callan will continue to improve at midfield and where and 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 you know that that they that they could be a competitive midfielder or a far more competitive midfield in Cockett last year. Just to touch on what um what Ollie was talking about earlier, Jim, about the Cork defense, like we mentioned, a lot of players like the Meehan's, the Posters, the Daniel O'Mahony's, the Limo Donovan's, again, all fellas <clears> who are missing. And it's no secret either this Cork defense has leaked an awful lot of scores um, during the league. At one stage there, after the fifth round, Cork had the worst defensive record in the entire four leagues that averaged a concession of, of 20 points a game. And against, again, against Offaly last day, I think, was it 120 Offaly scored on, on Cork? So it's obviously, it's, it's a huge area for concern when you think what's waiting in the long grass in a couple of weeks' time, that 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 that, that carry attack would spearheaded by David Clifford with Shawnee O'Shea, um, what can Cork do between now and that game just to tighten up some bit at the back? It's it's a serious worry, right? Because we, when you look at Kerry's carry scoring record, I think in Division One they had the highest scoring record, so they're going to be leading the team in Division Two with the lowest scoring, are the they who conceded the most. So, I mean, when you take it on that evidence, it's going to be, you know, it is going to be a tough day at the office if you go on, on, on those stats. Um, what can you do? You know, it's Holly kind of mentioned there. Do they do they go defensive? You know, I think they had, um, was it one of the highest scoring differences last year in the game against Kerry? The Kerry won by, what was it, 20-odd points or something like that, you know? So, do they do they... They're not going to shoot out the lights against Kerry, you know. There's no, no doubt about that. Kerry also had the highest scoring and the least conceded, I think, in that division, you know. So they are up against it. Um, there's one train of thought that they go completely defensive and um, something similar to maybe what Carlo used to do against Dublin years ago, where they'd be in the game for maybe 60 minutes, 65 minutes. Ultimately, Dublin would win, but you know, they 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 give themselves a chance by keeping it incredibly tight. It seems to go against the grain of Cork football, though, because it's something, you know, that they're not used to. Um, and that type of football, you have to practice it, you know, for months and months as well, you know. So that's the challenge, that if they do go to, decide to go defensive and bring back 10 or 12 players behind the ball, that they'll fall between two stools and, and not do it properly and then end up not scoring on the other side as well. So it's a big, big challenge for the, um, the management side, you know, or do they continue playing the way they are, um, where they're still putting up reasonably high scores, but they certainly will just have to tighten up in, uh, in defence. And whether they go all out defensively 
or whether they just try to bring a couple extra back, you know, that's for them to decide. But they certainly will have to tighten up because, as I said, as I said at the start there, Kerry have the highest scoring record and they're playing the team with the, the highest uh, conceded in Division 2. So it's going to be a huge, huge challenge for them, all right? And Holly, it looks more and more likely that this um, Munster semi-final will be played in Fitzgerald Stadium in Killarney and not in Parker Ring. At the time of recording this podcast, that wasn't confirmed, but it seems to be the be the line coming out now that the game will be moved from Cork to Killarney. And I know we Kevin O'Donovan on the podcast a couple of weeks back and he was saying how they wanted to play Kerry in, in Parker Ring because it's a young Cork team and they didn't want, almost want to expose them take him down into the Lions Den in Killarney, see what happened to a more experienced Cork team last year. And let's just say that the game is moved to Killarney, into Fitzgerald Stadium. How much harder will that make it for this young Cork team to go down into the, I suppose, the backyard of the favourites for the All-Ireland? For the All-Ireland? Well, I suppose if we, if, if we look at the record, um, I think it's what, 1997 is it or something? Since 96, I think, yeah. 96, I think, is it? 96 down, down in Killarney. So that says an awful lot, but Dougie and myself were down there a few times and 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 and, and we, we, we failed to win. Um, you know, it's 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 it definitely makes the proposition uh far, far deeper and far, far harder if it is switched down to, to Killarney. But look, Munster Council coffers are gonna dictate everything. You know, like you said, they're gonna be trying to get money back from you know the last couple of years of COVID and they know Parky Ring can't hold the same crowd. And they probably know as well that you know, you have a bigger Kerry crowd and you could possibly have a bigger Cork crowd in Killarney as well because, you know, every Cork supporter enjoys going to Killarney even if, you know, their their, their team hasn't got as much of a shout as we'd like them to have because it's a it's a good day out at worst, you know, the, the, the stadium inside in the town and all the rest of it. But look, I, I think Cork have no choice going to Killarney. Like Dougie said while ago, we're not going to win it. We're not going to win a shootout down there because our defence, as it stands... Is isn't isn't uh, isn't tight enough or conceding far too much, so I don't think they'll have any choice only to try and shut it down and stay in the game for as long as possible. But look, attitude dictates an awful lot as well. Cork started very well last year for the first 10-15 minutes, but then the intensity dropped, the work rate dropped. You know they weren't tackling, they weren't chasing, they weren't harassing. Like if Cork got on there with a, you know, with a, sal- a solid game strategy, grand, you know, you might say. Do they keep playing the way they were playing? But if you watch the Division 1 teams, you watch Kerry. When Kerry lose the ball, Clifford is the only man staying up and they have 14 back. Or four, not all the way back, maybe, but they have 14 in the back two thirds of the pitch. You know, applying pressure particularly in the middle towards stopping the ball going in. So look, it's, it's, it's nothing, it's the way the game is going. But I suppose the, the difference between the Division 1 teams and the Division 2 teams then is that they transition so fast and get their players back up when they win position, possession back. You know, it's, it's still not slow. So look, Cork should be looking at a, a template like that. I think, you know, that they're going to have to close down the space. There's no way they can afford to get that carry back line, um, uh, the, the time and space that it looks like they might get by the Cork concession rate. But then on the other side of it, Kerry's back line is nothing to write home about either. You know, so that balancing act is there. Kerry are, you know, they might have a three and six better than us, but they're three and six they learned. For me, they're not good enough to, 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 to see them winning the all and or they might be proven wrong yet. Um, but look, It'll be an interesting six weeks. You know, we probably won't hear or see an awful lot about the Cork footballers for the next while until they build up to the to the match. But you know, they 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 have a little bit of time now to try and work on things and get their ducks in a row. Hardy, just to sum up, so the league you're you're at a, a couple of games. 
you've seen the development of this Cork team from the first game through <clears> to, to where they are now. Are, are you happy with their their current progression or the current development? Do you think they're they're on, on the right track to, to get somewhere like like I said, Kirikan has said this is a long term project and and there will be painful days along the way. But do you think Cork finished the league in a better position than when they started? Definitely, in fairness, so I watched all the McGrath Cup games and I've seen all the league games. And look, they're they're definitely uh, uh, getting to a position where they could be described described as a little bit better organised at least than they were back in the first couple of games. You know, they seem to have more of a structure and seem to be finding more of a structure and finding a a method of play that suits the players that they have. But again, going forward, as we have said already, you know how competitive they're going to be in December from now on will be. It'll depend on what players they can get back in that space of time, and will they get them back soon enough to give them a a run of challenge games and a run of training a month or five weeks at least that they will be up to speed and ready to go for uh, for, for Killarney. But look, there is definitely improvement, you know. We have forwards that can score. We have, we have scored quite well. We have conceded an awful lot. You know, it's obvious to, to us all where the, the areas for improvement are. And, you know, they they, they, they do have time to, to, to find ways of trying to improve um, those weaknesses. Dermot, final question to you. As a, as, a, as a former Cork footballer yourself, have you, have you seen enough in this team to, 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 like this is a team to kind of, to, for Cork fans to throw their support behind and to get behind? Like we said, it's a very young group and they're lost an awful lot of experienced players from last year. It, 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 it's a group that obviously wants to get better and it's, it's trying to get better. But I'm just thinking back to that down game in Park Equived at, um, the weekend before last and I wrote about it in last week's Star. Like, the attendance that day was was dismal. Like, wasn't even a thousand people. I'd say in in the stand. And I know the two are interlinked: supporters and this Cork football team. I suppose the trust has been broken over the years because this Cork Cork football, not necessarily this team, but the, but the previous teams before. Like, there's been so much inconsi- inconsistency, so many false dawns. Where Cork fans are like, "Oh God, not again, not again." Would you think that the the fans just need to give this group just just give them their support because? Like we said before, this feels different to, to what's gone before. This is almost a brand new rebuild with brand new players. So it's the hope that, that Cork fans will get behind this team and just give them, I suppose, the support, but also the time and the patience to develop and mature. I think so, yeah. And I think they just need to give them a break for sure because, you know, they're they're starting from a low level. And, and as I said earlier, you know, these lads, they're not found wanting in terms of energy and work rate and, and commitment and all that, you know, that's never been an issue. And you can see it even the way they played against um, against Offaly there the last year, right to the very, very last minute. And even in the game before that against Down, another must-win game, which they came through, you know. So on that alone, you know, um, they have to deserve a lot of credit, you know. And they mightn't be the most talented team. They're not the most cohesive team because they haven't been together for long enough and they have a lot of inexperience. But, you know... I think Cork football support. Cork football has never been well supported. Going back to our time, going back 20, 30 years, um, the hurlers were always better supported. And some people suggest it's maybe because most of the Cork football supporters are based down in West Cork and you're a long way from games. And maybe it stems from things like that. But um, I mean, even when we were playing, we never had massive support. And and they do come on board, you know, obviously semi-finals and finals and that, you know, or even generally against Kerry, there's always a, a good Kerry uh, Cork and Kerry crowd as well. But um, I think th- th- this team definitely, you know, the supporters should give them a break, eh, whether it's on social media, whether it's, um, you know, uh, the media writing about it or whether it's a general supporter, because, um, you know, 
these players that have stuck with it there's a lot of guys have walked away for different reasons very legitimate reasons a lot of them but you know the, the lads that are left are trying their very best and they're doing it for the love and the pride of Cork football and as I said at the very beginning there they've never been found wanting in terms of courage or commitment or anything like that and I think that that's a lot to be uh, said for that because you know the, the minute Cork competing at the top table in Munster finals and all our semi-finals you, you'll have no bother encouraging players to come and board in panels then you know so this current group of players deserve every break I think from from supporters alike. Nice to finish this chat on a positive like Cork finished the league on a positive and kept their division two status. Thanks for coming on for a chat Dermot and Hawley. Delighted to be joined by Avril Condell of Access Credit Union who's here to tell us a little bit about Cultivate Farm Finance. So Avril, maybe just give us a brief introduction to what Cultivate Farm Finance actually is. So Cultivate is a collaboration of 40 credit unions uh, throughout Ireland. Um, West Cork has both Access Credit Union and Bantry Credit Union. Uh, The loan itself is up to 75,000 unsecured uh, for seven years is the max term, but obviously can be uh, personalized and customized to each individual's needs. Um, it's a great facility actually for, for farmers and um, because it covers cash flow and um, machinery purchases like there's a fertilizer crisis now as we know and um, so literally anything that is required for the farm can be covered by this loan. The, the rate is very competitive and uh, we can match the, the repayment term and the um, repayment frequency to each individual farmer depending on their enterprise. Um, and you also have the benefit of the life cover that comes with the credit union loan, which I think is very important for people these days at no extra cost. And if I'm a farmer and I'm listening to you on this podcast today, how can I get involved? So if you're not sure of which credit union um, you're involved with, you can go to Cultivate Credit Union directly, which is www.cultivate-cu.ie or you can phone 1800-839-999. And if Access is your credit union, you can contact me directly. So it's avril at accesscu.ie, or you can ring me on 085-268-2727. The Celtic Ross Hotel West Cork Sports Star Awards take place this Friday at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry. And to get us in the mood for the event, we're going to hear now from four-time All-Ireland winner and two-time Celtic Ross Hotel West Cork Sports Star of the Year, Jennifer O'Leary. Kieran, how's Jennifer keeping? And as I mentioned at the top, I don't want you to reveal it, but she also has a very juicy exclusive for us as well. Yeah, Jennifer's in top form. Like you said there, she's a two-time winner of the Celtic Ross Hotel West Cork Sports Star of the Year award. And even though she won eight All-Star awards, which is incredible, and four All-Irelands, and I think there's six National League titles in there, she values the West Cork Sports Star Awards right at, at, the, at, the, at the top of her list because she's been recognised by her own people in her own backyard. And that's the beauty of the West Cork Sports Star Awards, that it's, um, it's probably the best local sports award scheme in the country in terms of longevity. It's 24 years now, but also in terms of quality. Um, look at some of the winners over the last couple of years. Phil Healy, Ireland's fastest woman. Conor Horahan, uh, international soccer player for Ireland. Go back to 2016, Gary and Paula Donovan, who won um, who won Ireland's first ever Olympic gold medal. Compared the likes of Lily Delacour, a world, box, world kickboxing champion. Like, it's an incredible list of people who've won this overall award. And Jennifer O'Leary is part of a very exclusive club who've won this award twice, along with Phil Healy and along with two Skibbereen Roars, but not the Roars we're thinking of. If you go back into the noughties, 
Uh, Eugene Coakley and Timmy Harnady picked up the awards in 2003 and 2005. Um, so it was great to catch up with Jennifer Leary to chat about her Westcock Sports Star Award memories because Jen is Westcock Sport and Royalty. She is the best Kabogi player we have ever produced without a shadow of a doubt. And, and beyond what she achieved on the pitch, just off the pitch, like she's such a terrific ambassador for West Cork. Such a nice person, a native sports person that you'll ever meet. And I remember doing a long read or a long feature about Jennifer back in 2020, it was, during the, the first lockdown. I think it was the, the first lockdown, which seems many moons ago now. I was talking to one of our teammates, Joanne Brown, who was just chatting about uh, Jen's competitive nature and that's there for all to see. And as you'll hear in the chat now, that competitive nature is still there and we're going to see it again this season. A real treat for our Star Sport podcast listeners now as we're joined on the podcast by West Cork's greatest ever Camogie player. And I know she'll flinch when I call her that, but we're delighted to have Jennifer O'Leary on our podcast this week. Hi, Jen, how are you? I'm good, Kieran. How are you? Thanks for having me. How are things? All good. All good down here in West Cork. And it's just a great time to catch up with you because the West Cork Sports Star Awards are on this Friday night in the Celtic Ross Hotel. And it's the 24th annual running of these awards, which is um, incredible longevity alone. And you're in a very exclusive job, Jen. You've won these awards two times, the first in 2002 and the second in 2014. So you've you've pretty fond memories of these awards, I presume? Oh, yeah. Like, they were the best times. Um just a lovely kind of closeness to, to home whenever we used to be like nominated for the monthly awards and then the night itself was always a great celebration, you know, and um, I suppose it's it's very humbling. I always say because you're in a room with so many talented people between like sports stars and just, you know, people themselves, you know, friends and family or whatever. Um, but yeah, lovely memories, just, you know, catching up with family and friends and just meeting other people and connecting and hearing their stories and hearing their training regimes and things like that you know it's you know I'd love to go back maybe uh, a few years and, and do it all again. Like you've had an incredible career we're looking at your Cork Camogie career there was the four All-Irelands the eight All-Stars I think it was six league titles inside there and to win let's say two West Cork Sports Star Awards then how special was that when you're when you're being recognized by people at home and by and having your family and friends there as well at the awards? It was probably more special than any other award because you there's a little bit more of a personal nature to those awards. And it's kind of, you know, the people who are, are nominating or who are voting for you or who, who want to get you over the line are the people that know you best. So, you know, to be acknowledged in that way is always very, very special. Um, and I'd always hold them close to my heart. And I keep saying like, I live up in Armagh now, but whenever I recall, you know, getting those awards and receiving um, that, that acknowledgement, it always brings me a little bit closer to home. So, they have a prominent place in my house here up in Armagh, that's for sure. And they always will be. They'll always stand there. And every year when the, the award ceremony is on, I always reflect back on what was a lovely time in my life. And even though, like you said, you're, you're up in Armagh now. And I think you've been up in Armagh since 2014. You're, you're very much a West Cork, Jane. Like you'll never, you'll never lose your West Cork. And you always keep in touch with what's going on here. And if you look at the yeah. calibre of sports people in West Cork right now, it's mm. off the charts. Like in the last couple of years, Obviously, we've had um, Paul O'Donovan, Gary O'Donovan, Fintan McCarthy, Emily Hegarty win Olympic medals, Phil Healy do, doing her thing. She's a two-time winner as well. Rugby's grown hugely here with the likes of Gavin Coombs and Fanine Mitchell. You must um, be very proud of your fellow West Cork sports stars. Oh, undoubtedly. Like, uh, the talent that's in West Cork, but it's been there for, for many, many years. And when we say it every year, God, the, the calibre of sports people, but it just keeps coming every single year. 
just goes to show like the the work and dedication those people put into it but also like the support that's there for the for each code of sport you know it, it's very unusual to have so much talent in a I suppose a small uh, place in in the world you know so I'm very very proud to be amongst those people and have been um, I suppose acknowledged with with those people in the past um, and it just keeps growing and growing and hopefully it'll keep growing and I know it will um, but yeah as you said there's just from rugby athletics you know racing everything it, you know I think it's just unusual that you can cover so so much in just a short um, or a small space in the world today but it's yeah I'm very very proud to be part of um, West Cork and I still have the accent even though it's it is mellowing a little bit and people say oh you're turning into an Arma woman now but I try and go home as often as I can just to kind of get it <laughs> get it back again. I can vouch Jen that, you, that your, West Cork, your West Cork accent is still there I, I, I can still hear your West Cork <laughs> accent coming yes. through but we talked about almost the, the, the strength of sports people and the, the strength of sport in West Cork but even going back to you when you were growing up like you you, you came from, from a big family eight kids and um, sport is very important in your family too and that almost you were telling me before that almost that competitive nature that you had when you were young that that almost molded and honed, and honed you into the sports person that you became because in the O'Leary household you, you fought for every inch that you could get growing up oh yeah we fought for every inch we fought for every crumb on the table or else you know if you didn't eat your dinner I'd eaten for you and um, we were always very, very competitive with each other, even, as I said before, going outside and poking around with my sisters, you know, even nearly turn into an all-earned final match between two of you. My brothers were mad into rowing, uh, football, hurling, you know, it just became part of it. And my father is the, the biggest Cork supporter that you'll ever come across, you know, in every code and Man United as well. I'll just throw that in. But uh, yeah, I think that it brings the best out of you when you do have that little competitiveness. And I suppose growing up in a big family did teach you you know, the importance of sport and getting out and getting the fresh air and meeting friends and connecting with other people. And um, so I'm, 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 I suppose I'm one of the lucky ones to have come from, from a big family like that and to have that interest and to have that support all, uh, all through my career. Whenever I spoke to people about you before, they always talked about your competitiveness. They said, like, there's there no one quite like Jean O'Leary. Like, she kind of just, she gave it her all. She gave 110% of everything she did. But what kept you going all those years? Because, like we said earlier, you won so, so much at the highest level. But you kept coming back for more. Even when you retired in 2013, you were back again a year or two later and you won another All-Ireland. So what do you think was it that kind of that drove you on? What's inside in Jean O'Leary that just kept you going and going and going for so long? Oh, what it's very, it's quite simply I just loved camogie and I just love playing it I love training I love that hard graft even in the winter where you're very unfit and you're trying to get back and get some level of fitness and avoid injury I just love that and I love being around people I think I'm in my best form and best mood when I'm surrounded with other people having a bit of fun but also like you know zoning in and what you need to do and what you need to achieve um, and I suppose it's just become part of you from playing from a very young age and growing up in a place where there wasn't much else to do than play home and play sport. It just becomes part of who you are. Um, and I suppose that's kind of why I just have this thing at the back of my head always just to keep going, keep going, keep trying. And um, I'm actually back playing Camogie as well um, at club this year, but I've, I'm actually training with Arma County Camogie too. <laughs> just to throw that in there. I know madness, like two children later um you know what it's just I don't know what it is it's hard to describe it but it's just that love of the sport and just it's not even about winning anymore it's more so just about getting you know the best out of yourself and if you still feel you have that kind of fitness and that a little bit of skill that you can maybe contribute to something bigger than yourself then you go with it so yeah that, that's basically it I think. 
you've actually preempted one of my questions. I was going to ask you if what's the next chapter in the General Airy story because when you swap Barry Roar for, for Middletown up in Armagh, you were playing away up there. And like you said, you've uh, two two little kids, but you're 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 back again for one more season or another two or three seasons. Yeah, look, we'll see how the body holds up. Like I keep saying, I'm not going to put pressure on it. I'm not going to um, expect too much of myself because I'm not a spring chicken anymore. But do you know what? If I can try and keep up with, you know, the speed of, of some of the younger ones, then I'll be happy. And if I can feel satisfied in myself that I've done my best and I work hard, then I think that's all you can expect at this time in my life, you know, but yeah, that's that's what's happening in my world at the moment. <laughs> and how did it link, obviously you've been up in Armagh, but how did it link to the Armagh County team come about? Were you asked to go in or what, what was the, the background to that? Well, last year, um, I suppose, and um, they they had a really good like management and um, kind of team going and my sister-in-law, my two sister-in-laws, actually, Orla and Stephanie Curry, were on the squad and they used to like tell me how training was going, how they really enjoyed it. And they actually got to the All-Ireland final last year. And I just, I suppose I kind of had a little bit of FOMO, but even though it wouldn't have been possible last year, I was having, a, a, I was pregnant with Tiernan, but um, I just kind of had that feeling at the back of my head. And actually, my husband, Paul, was was the one who kind of pushed me towards it in the series. I said, sure, why don't you give it a go? You know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So... Um, I just had, I was humming and hawing for a long time and then I just kind of bit the bullet and made the decision and I said, look, if I don't try it, then I might, be, might regret it. If it doesn't work out, then, you know, at least I gave it a go. So, um, yeah, I just kind of wanted a little bit more of a challenge again. I wanted to have a good, like, fast training and um, intense training and just to be part of something else with another group of people and get to know people again and, um, I suppose, have a little break from the kids too, <laughs> which is important too for yourself, you know and get out and about so yeah like it almost comes back to what we talked about earlier like that competitive nature that you have you just said it there you want a new challenge a fresh challenge and that's very important too it almost like that's a huge motivation for you so to challenge yourself like you said you're going to go up against younger players just to see how you're going to get on against them and I, I almost pity those younger players know what I know about about you Jin so how are you finding it so far I'm really enjoying it, actually. And you know what? It's, uh, they're all very, very nice people. I felt a little bit, should I say, a bit overwhelmed in the first training session because there was um, so many young people I didn't even know. I didn't know people's names. And I felt a little bit awkward that I couldn't even, you know, hello, whatever, you know. Um, but um, no, really enjoying it and really relishing the the challenge and um, haven't played any um game with Arma yet to, to sort out a few transfer things even though it's been so long since I played with Cork it, it was mad but anyway it's sorted now and um, but looking forward to the first game now the end of April we're playing in the Ulster Championship so uh, we'll see how it goes look I just have to keep myself injury free as much as I possibly can and again not put pressure on it and see how we get on as we go. Like I said it's, it's the next chapter so in this incredible Camogie career but when you're looking back at your at, at your Cork career what's the, the, the... The, the one that stands out is there one All Ireland that stands out more for you than any, than any other gin or one All Star that you really cherish? Or is there what's the accolade that springs to mind when you think of your time at Carcamogie? Um, I suppose your first All Ireland is always going to be the one that stands out um, over everything else because uh, it's just I suppose a shock to the system and it kind of is is an excitement as to what will come in the future. This is the first, hopefully, of many. Um, I suppose the 2014, my last one then would have always stood out in memory because of just been so many kind of emotional connections to that one. They're all very, very special. Um, I always used to say every year I used to get an all-star. Do I really deserve it? Like, you know, because there's so many other people who could have 
Um, but I suppose you just have to believe in yourself and just, you know, take it as much, take, take the acknowledgement as much as you can. Um, but I, I, looking back, I cherish every single win, every single game, every kind of the process, I suppose, involved. You know, you do miss, um, as you get, you know, I know it's been so long since I played in the county, but as you go on, you reflect back, you do you do miss that time. Um, I suppose you can hope, for, you, you kind of wish that you can reel back the years a little bit. Um, but they'll always be a long-standing memory um, in my my life. And it, I suppose it's hard to pick one, but maybe the first and maybe the last would be the easiest to pick out. Like whenever we talk to kind of current Cork Camogie players in West Cork, like you were very much a role model and a hero for so many players. Like you were a, a trailblazer, a, a West Cork woman who played at the highest level and won all that there, that there was to win. But you must be very proud now to see the likes of Levy Coppinger, Orla Crone and to see Kira Sullivan or Sullivan from Newstone play with Cork. But not alone that, just the standard of Camogie in Carberry now in West Cork is getting better and better. We've Newstone up at the senior ranks. We've Inneskeen up there now since, since the year before last as well. Obviously the Carberry senior Camogie team as well. So it's just great to see Camogie growing in West Cork. Oh, it is. Yeah. Like even, you know, when I used to play, there may be one or two of us dotted on the panel and you kind of stick closely together. But it's like the likes of Orla Cronin now, of course, I, I've always raised her highly and she's, I know, a lovely girl and I have good time for her. And I'm delighted that, you know, she is amongst others now who are who are setting the the, the camogie field alight. And, and I can just see every year as well from a club perspective, but also county perspective, it's getting faster, it's getting you know they're fitter they're stronger than ever it's in nearly like a pro sport now at this stage the dedication and you know it was it was tough going in my time but I think now it's even elevated even further um, and I wish them all the very very best and yeah it's great to see West Cork you know on that map even more so now than, than it was before. Is it like West Cork Camogie is, is getting bigger and better, but it seems Armagh Camogie is about to get a whole lot stronger with the addition of, of Jennifer O'Leary. You never know, Jane, if things go quite well for you this year, you might get another West Cork Sports Star Monthly Award for 2022. We might have you back down in the Celtic Ross Hotel again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, don't get ahead of ourselves now. Look, if I can line out in the last 60 minutes of the game, I'd be happy out and you know, again, as I said, I'm not going to expect too much of myself, but if we can play in last game, I'd be happy out, happy out with that. What is the expectation and target for Armagh Camogie? You said they got to the final last year. Like, how strong is Camogie in the county? Um, yeah, it is quite strong. There are some fantastic players um, up here. You know, you've the likes of Kira Donnelly, Leanne Donnelly, um, you know, even Kira Hill. Their names you'll probably see as you if you reflect back on some of the games. Um, they're very, very committed. Like even when I joined my club here in Middletown, they just absolutely adore the game and give their life and soul for it, really. Um, they got to the All-Ireland Final last year and would be trying to push for, you know, an All-Ireland Final hopefully this year as well. But sure, it's never that straightforward. You know, it just all depends on the day sometimes. Um, no, really gunning first, like training's going well. We're going to up the training now in the next next month, I think in April. Um, we'll be taking each day as it comes or each game as it comes, but definitely the the aspiration is to to climb up those steps in Croke Park um, whenever that will be um, and hopefully achieve what they want to achieve, which is to progress up the ranks and get to, to the next stage, which is, you know, from junior up to intermediate, maybe next year. Oh, fantastic. Delighted to hear that you're you're back on the Camogie field and that there's more to come. And thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and best to look for the season ahead, Jane. Thank you very much, Kieran. Thank you. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, 
funding dreams for over 50 years. Now, Kieran, before we wrap up and preview this week's Southern Star Sports section, you were at the Aviva on Saturday as Ireland took on Belgium in an international friendly and it was an absolute belter of a game with a near full house in Dublin, four goals and a brilliant performance from Stephen Kenny's young side, including a bicycle kick from one of Cork's own in Og Benny. So your thoughts on your day out at the Aviva and the performance and the future for Irish soccer, having seen it firsthand now? What a brilliant day out. The atmosphere up there was cracking. Like last weekend, the weather was superb. It was a gorgeous day up in Dublin and the sun was shining and we got into the Aviva around half three. So we were nice and early. As soon as the gates were open, we were straight in there um, and we were we were down in just three rows from the front. So we were quite close to, to the to the action. But like you said, a really good Ireland performance. Belgium were on top right for the first half an hour, but once Ireland settled down, they played some good football. They really did play some good football. And you can see what Stephen Kinney's trying to do and I think that's seven games undefeated now um, under Stephen Kinney. And when we were leaving the ground after getting the, the train or the dart back into the into Tower Street, um, the fans were singing, we're all part of Stephen Kinney's army. And it was, you could just, just a feel-good factor there at the moment because what we're seeing on the, on the, on the pitch, it's good football. It really is good football. Um, Belgium are the number one ranked team in the world. Okay, they left some of their big hitters behind them. They only picked a team of, of players with less than, than 50 caps. But you see the likes of Tielemans, Dendonker, um, you had uh, uh, Torgan Hazard was there, um, Batshuayi, Benteki came on. Like, it's still a good team. Simon uh, Mignolet in goal. Um, so it's still, on paper, it was still a better team than, than what Ireland have. Twice Belgium went ahead, but twice Ireland came back. And when Ireland got the goals, like, the roof came off the diva. Like, and, uh, like Ogbini's goal, we saw back in the big screen, like, that was a that was a touch of classic. When was the last time we saw an Irish footballer pull off a bicycle in an international game and score a goal? Um, but it just all that uh, brilliant atmosphere there, brilliant day out, and um, very encouraging for the future, I think. And I will be back again. I'll take you and Philip back again because it was his first Ireland game and he was spoiled like, to see four goals, but just the smile on his face after, and he was like, wow, like, this is it was just a really good game to hook him in from the, from the start. Yeah, what a first game to go to considering how many dreadful Ireland games there have been over the last 10 or 15 years. He picked a good one. And I was just reminded that yesterday was the one year anniversary of Ireland's loss to Luxembourg. And I remember how dour the atmosphere was around the Ireland cab at that stage. There was almost a culture war developing of the Kenny believers and the Kenny doubters and the Kenny doubters at that stage had a very large stick to beat him with and the Kenny Believers were almost losing faith. But 12 months is a long time in football and things have really turned around. And you'd have to say going into the next qualifying campaign, considering the players he's unearthed like Bazunu, like I know Bazunu wasn't playing, but he has been unearthed in the last year or so. Ogbeni, as we mentioned, and then the return to form of the likes of John Egan, Shane Duffy and even though Shane Binks Coleman isn't having the best of times at Everton, he has found form for Ireland in the last number of games against. So it's almost like yeah, things we're, we're, are on, we're on the up. Things are on the we're, up. We're starting to believe. Justin John Egan, I was impressed by him the last day. Seeing him in the flesh, like he was, he was driving forward there. We know we're getting Shane Duffy, like he was as solid as ever. But John Egan is a is a class footballer, and I and I, like he's Premier League standard. He really is. Like he's he's that good. So. 
I wonder if Sheffield United don't go up this year, will the Premier League club be looking at, at John Egan and, and taking a punt at him? Because I thought he was very impressive the last day. Just the way he carries the ball forward, he, he drives forward. Like you said, uh, the likes of Azuna, he wasn't playing the last day. But Kevin Kelleher, another Cork fella, got his, got his chance in goal. And uh, Conor Horan was on the, the Ireland squad as well. And he was warming up just beforehand, before the game, in, in front of us. And he didn't get his look the last day. But Cork were taken over to some extent with Brown getting the goal, Ogbeni getting a goal and an assist, Kelleher and goal, John Egan, Horan there. Like the Cork are, that's, that, that's half the Ireland team is from Cork. So um, maybe it's, it's, it's that, that Cork connection is... Is, uh, is driving this Ireland team forward. But better days, uh, there's, there's more to come. The better days are ahead. You know, we're looking at this Nations League campaign. That game against Scotland in, in June, like that'd be a good game to go to because like there'll be points on the line there. The Scots will bring a, a large crowd. The Irish soccer fans are superb. When you compare it to the, to the rugby game the weekend before, it, it was, you just can't compare it to atmospheres. Like there was a really, really lively, loud atmosphere um, at, the, at the soccer game on on Saturday night, when you compare it to the, the rugby weekend before, which is fairly quite in, in comparison. So um, the Irish football games, they're, 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 they're the ones to latch on to, Jack. Yeah, when the Irish soccer team are going well, there's absolutely nothing better than being involved in the crowd and experiencing that atmosphere. And hopefully we're recording this on a Tuesday. Ireland play Lithuania in another friendly tonight. Hopefully Conor Howerton will get his look in in that one. He should start and is expected to start. So we'll watch this space. But Kieran, let's preview this week's Southern Star sports section. Obviously, there'll be reviews of Cork's win over Offaly. I'm assuming plenty of coverage of Friday night's West Cork Sports Star Awards. What should people be looking out for this Thursday? As well as that, obviously, the Cork Hurlers are true to the Division 1 League final. They did a superb win against... Kilkenny last weekend and next up now is Waterford so the, the car curlers are going from strength to strength which is great to see we have a very good interview with Marco Donovan in this week's sports section Marco Donovan as our listeners will know he's a former world road champion um, he's from Skibbereen back in 2017 Mark and Shane O'Driscoll they dominated the men's uh, lightweight pair they were world champions European champions world cup champions they just they were just unbeatable in that boat but that was a non-Olympic class sport. So they wanted to get to the Olympics. So to cut a long story short, they went up the heavyweight, up to the heavyweight pair in an effort to get to the Games, but it didn't work out. So people probably haven't heard about or from Mark Donovan in the last couple of years. That's because he's not wrong anymore. But he's after switching sports. He's gone cycling and he's cycling with, with Blarney Cycling Club. And we have a really, really good interview with Mark in this week's Stars. He talks about how he finished up rowing, how cycling filled the void left by rowing, how he struggled initially when he did decide to finish rowing back in early 2020, because rowing was his identity for so, so long. So it's a really, really good read, um, really good human interest story. So that's that's worth the price of the Southern Star on Thursday alone just for this interview. But as well as that, there's more. Um, the Sacred Heart Secondary School Clan Kilty team is in an Ireland school's football final this Friday. It's on a temporary town. They're taking on a Westmead school. So the best to look to the Sacred Heart girls there. We also have a full roundup of the Beamish Cup. The quarterfinals were held last weekend, so it's down to the last four. And the semi-final draw, Jack, it's a cracker. It was made on Monday night. In one semi-final, we have the champions Dunmanway Town against Clannacilty Soccer Club, which is a repeat of last year's final. And that's a huge, huge match. Because both are also involved in the Premier Division title race. And then we also have Lyre against Riverside. So two huge games coming up on April 10th. But we have the... 
all the action from the quarterfinals in Thursday's Southern Star. And also um, Keith Cronin is lining up another British Rally Championship bid. So we've all the news on that. Cork Camogie won the minor All-Ireland A title. And also huge congrats to the Skibbereen um, Rugby Club women's team. We had three of the players on last week's podcast for a great chat. But they went out last Sunday and they won the Division 2 league title. So that's brilliant news for them. That's the first trophy in the bag. And they have two finals coming up. So we've all that news and a lot, lot more. So as you can see, Jack, it's packed again this week. Yeah, jam-packed. And that will be in shops on Thursday around West Cork. It will also feature a 48-page mega farming magazine. So if you're a sports fan and a farmer, you're really going to get... A lot of value out of this week's Southern Star. If you can't make it to the shops, you can subscribe online. Go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and subscribe on your computer, tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week. Kieran, before we wrap up, one more thing I can't believe we didn't touch on already. And that is, of course, the slap. The slap heard around the world. Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars. He then went on five minutes later or half an hour later or whatever later to win Best Actor. So his reward for assaulting a fellow show business merchant live on international television. This is a broadcast that's shown in probably every country in the world was to win his first ever Best Actor gong. So come on, everyone and their mother is given a hot take on this slap. What's your own hot take we're now 48 hours out from the slap you've had time to ruminate on this i'm sure you've jumped back and forth who was right who was wrong give us your hot take i actually thought it was a skip first when i saw it i thought it was kind of something they did pre they did um pre or pre-rehearsed but it was on on monday morning just on on uh, on twitter i saw something about uh, ricky gervais and a slap so i presume ricky gervais got a slap i I, I forgot even the oscars were on that shows where my head was the weekend but then when you see it, like, the fact that he went up and he slapped Chris Rock, and then he sat back down, and then he won an award 10 minutes later, then there was the crocodile tears, maybe, or maybe the real tears, I don't know, I'm a bit sceptical about Will Smith after, after the, 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 the weekend that he had. It's just, it beggars belief, but it, it's almost Hollywood in a nutshell. It really is that a fella can assault another man on stage, but didn't receive an award and have the highest point of his career, and not many better than I I know he's probably got, well, he has got, um, He's got annihilated, you could say, on, on social media for, for his actions. Like, you just can't do that. You know, kind of, what happens the, the next day I'm at a game and some fan doesn't like my take on, on Cork football? Are they going to hit me a smack? You know, because they can always justify, well, Will Smith did it. He got away with it. Um, not that I'm condoning anyone ever hitting me a thump at a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a football game, but it sets a dangerous precedent for comedians more so than anything else. I saw a great tweet on Monday from some comedian and they said, like, what happens now when someone doesn't agree with what, what we say? Like, has he opened the door? You know, which is a which is dangerous. But um, no, the the Fresh Prince, he's masked Skip Jack. Yeah, it is unbelievable. That's the the big one for me because I, Joe, we've often spoke on this podcast about um movies that we love, movie stars that we admire, etc. And without question, Will Smith has always been one of my favorite movie stars. Maybe top five, just because his movies are always. So either feel good or action packed or just good popcorn moves. And then he can turn his hand to serious drama as well. He's just so versatile. Obviously, The Fresh Prince was probably my favorite program growing up as well. Just hilarious, insightful, brilliant stuff. And even his music has, on occasion, made me hit the dance floor. So for all that to almost be 
wife slapped away. away slapped away exactly i was <laughs> i had it there with low-hanging fruit i said i'd leave it to you all of that to be slapped away uh with one failed swoop it just it kind of leaves a sick feeling in your stomach because now you're like oh, can i ever like um not that like respect who cares whether i respect will smith or not but you know what i mean it's almost like oh my god is that really how he behaves on his biggest night it's kind of ruined it's ruined his biggest it's, night he'll never just, be remembered yeah. anytime people refer to will smith winning best actor at the oscars they'll immediately refer to the slap it will never be the william sisters the king richard movie it will be oh yeah he slapped will smith and then said take your take my wife's name out your fucking mouth and he repeated just, that twice but he laughed at the joke first. That's what I didn't understand. That's why I thought it was a skit first because he was laughing at the joke. And the next thing we see is him walking up on stage and, and slapping Chris Rock. But one man who does come out of this with his reputation enhanced even more is the great Denzel Washington, <laughs> yeah. the peacekeeper, the peacemaker. Like he, he was busy working in the ad breaks to try and try and sort this out. And I think when Will Smith got his award in, Will even referenced what Denzel had told him a couple of minutes earlier. Um, but it just, yeah, like I said, it's Hollywood in a nutshell. Just crazy, absolutely crazy what went on. But how he was even left in the theatre after, um, he wasn't even kind of thrown out, maybe. I don't know what the protocol for that is like, but I just don't know. Like, it's just, um, like I said, his mask slipped. I know he's apologised since. He has apologised for Chris Rock, but it took his time to apologise. He did. Uh, he he did, must have been uh, threatened with a, a legal letter that led to the apology. I, 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 I presume in a couple of weeks or months himself and um, we'll Chris Rock will almost be laughing about it and, and making light of it it's just um, they'll be laughing about it they'll make some form of documentary or movie or podcast where they both make five million dollars each and they'll uh, have a great old time but given that it is award season Kieran that was the Oscars the bigger awards is probably the Celtic Ross West Cork Sports Star Awards as we mentioned which takes place on Friday you're going to be presenting a number of awards and I assume making a speech so are there any rewrite, rewrites required? Were you planning on slagging off any nominees' hair, any of their facial features? Are you going to roll back on the jokes now for fear that someone might walk up on stage? Imagine if Paul O'Donovan took to the stage and bitch slapped you in front of all of West Cork. That's obviously that that wouldn't happen anyway without any of my jokes, you know. But um, no, I'll have to. In fairness, we're going to blessed here in, in West Cork with the, with the greatest sports stars or sports people in the in, in the country. And I hope they're listening to this now in case there's a Will Smith, Chris Rock um, Act 2 at the Friday night's West Cork Sports Star Awards. So now I left there. I might re- revisit some of, my, some of my, my, my quips just to tone it down a small bit. But um, no, like the Oscars are almost the, the warm-up for the Sports Star Awards. Like, this is the biggest show in town. And it always is every year. Like we have our, our Hall of Fame award, which will be announced in Thursday, Southern Star. And this person is West Cork's sporting legendum, if that's even a word. Uh, we've Maeve O'Neill, who we've announced as our youth sports star. We've the Randall Oak Junior footballers, the mighty men from Banna who are going to pick up the, the team of the year. And then we have the overall sports star of the year for 2021 unveiled and crowned on Friday night. So it's going to be a brilliant night. And as soon as we take over social media on Friday night with hashtag Westcock Sports Star Awards, the Oscars will be a distant memory. Will Smith, who? Yeah, well, as Kieran said, that's Friday night. If there are any of the nominees, Listening, please consider slapping Kieran because I think that would just be absolutely hilarious and would make my entire life. But let's wrap there, Kieran. I don't I I feel bad. I don't actually want anyone to assault you on the knife. Um so we'll we'll wrap it up. 
and just say thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast as always we'll be back at the same time next week with all the fallout from the awards hopefully it won't be a slap we're talking about it will just be a great owl night entertainment if you enjoy these shows please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts Slán Tomu <laughs>